This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now turn with me over to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 tells us what happened when Israel disobeyed. Now we're talking, there's a lot of different ways we could approach this, a lot of different uh, aspects that we could uh, speak about this from. But we're talking about finances, financial freedom for the last days. And so let's talk about it from a financial aspect. Here's the story of the children of Israel when they disobeyed God and didn't do what he told them to do. He says in verse 6, he says, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. What that means literally is the only thing that's keeping you guys from being burnt up like toast is that I am good. I made a promise to Abraham and to his descendants, and that is the only thing that has kept you alive. That's what verse 6 means. Now let's start talking about how to fix it. Verse 7, even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you say, Where will, wherein shall a man return? In other words, he's saying, I know how man justifies himself. If I tell you that you've turned away from me in disobedience, you'll say, how? What did we do? Sounds like teenagers, doesn't it? Not me. Uh-huh. And so the Lord answers. He says in verse 8, he's identifying where they disobeyed him, where they turned away from him. He said, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, how, where? Uh-uh. Wherein have we robbed you? God's answer is in tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. Folks, first time the, the first time the tithe shows up is in Genesis chapter 14. Four kings come out against Lot and the city of Sodom where Lot lives. Abraham and, and Lot have both gotten so big and, and multiplied so much in their stuff and their possessions and their goods and their cattle and their flocks and their herds and so forth that they had to separate because their, their servants were starting to fight with each other over grazing land and stuff like that. So Abraham says, you know, there's no reason for us to be fighting like this. He said, you pick where you want to go and I'll take what's left. Man of faith always takes what's left. So Lot looked out and he saw the city. Oh, there's Sodom and Gomorrah. I'll go there. Real smart, Lot. Okay, which by the way, Lot should have said, no, no, no. There's no way I'm going to get away from you no matter what. I'm blessed because of you. I'm not leaving. I wouldn't go anywhere no matter what. I'll kill my flocks and herds before I'll leave you. That's what he should have done. But he must have thought that he was in this a co-equal with Abraham. So he says, I'll go to the cities over there, Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, over a period of time, it tells about how four enemy kings come out against the king of Sodom and some other guys and defeats them. So Abraham takes men of his own house, servants that had been born in his house. That means he's had servants that have grown into manhood. He says there, the Bible tells us there were 314 of them. He made an army of 314 servants and beat all four of those kings that had defeated the other kings in their armies. And he's coming back. And the king of Sodom comes out, and he's so glad because now Abraham has delivered them. He's recovered all their stuff, and he's, all the people that were taken. And so the king of Sodom says to Abraham, he says, Oh, you keep the stuff, just give us the people. And Abraham says, I'm not going to keep a thing because I'm not going to have anybody saying that you made me rich. I'm not going to have anybody say that anybody except the Lord has made me rich. And then it tells us that the king of Salem comes out, Melchizedek. 
Now, Melchizedek is either a pre-incarnate form of Jesus, appearance of Jesus, or he's somebody that represents it. We could argue back and forth whether or not who's who. I know what I think. You may know what you think. It doesn't matter. One way or another, it represents Jesus. And so it says that Abram gave him tithes of all. He was a priest under the Most High God, and he blessed Abraham. He said, Blessed be Abraham, who is the servant of the Most High God, the creator of heaven and earth, and the deliverer from all of his enemies. And it says Abraham gave him, Melchizedek, tithes of all. The word tithe means a tenth. Now, you can't find anything in the Bible about the tithe or a tenth prior to that point in time. You can't find anywhere where God said, here's how it's going to have to be. You're going to have to pay me 10% of whatever I give you. You can't find that. It's not there. So what are we left to conclude? I believe that Abraham did this because it was something from his heart. He knew that God had blessed him. It was something that he did spontaneously as a memorial unto God. Here's how much I appreciate what you've done. You've given to me. I'll give to the one that represents you. I believe that's why tithing is important for us today. Not because it's a law. Not because you're cursed if you don't. But because it is being a follower of faithful Abraham, which Galatians 3 tells us we're supposed to be. We're following his memorial, his gratitude, and the memorial action that he took out of a heart of love. Not do this or else. But because it was something that Abraham, who was the father of, of, uh, of Israel, the children of uh, the Jews, who we know of as the Jews, since it was something that he did, in my opinion, spontaneously, it became a memorial that all of his descendants were supposed to follow. That's why it's identified in the law that you're supposed to bring God a tenth, you're supposed to do this, that, and the other, as a sign that you know God's the one that blessed you with whatever you've got. I get amused at some people saying, well, why do we have to tithe today? Folks, you don't. Yeah, but if but if you don't tithe, you're cursed. No, you're not. Jesus did away with the curse of the law. Jesus redeemed you from the curse of the law. There's no curse of the law for not tithing. Really? You mean I don't have to? No, you don't. You get to. But you don't have to. Well, will, will God still love me if I don't? Sure, He loves you. He loves you because of Jesus. So they're saying, notice what their position is. God says, you've robbed me. They said, how? God said, in tithes and offerings. You haven't followed Abraham. You haven't followed the example of Abraham. And so then he goes further. He says, you are cursed with a curse. Now, folks, this is Old Testament. Jesus hadn't redeemed him from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is still in effect. This doesn't apply to you. Who can curse whom God is blessed? God can't even curse whom God is blessed. He's blessed you through Jesus. You're not cursed if you don't. But you are certainly blessed if you do. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So what's the answer? Verse 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Folks, I want you to notice this word storehouse is not the same word that he promised in Deuteronomy 28 that he'd command the blessing on you. This, does not, this word does not mean barn. It means treasury. He said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. This is the word treasury. You know how that David wanted to build God a temple, and God wouldn't let him do it because he's a man of war? David and his captains amassed a, a, a pile of fortune that they set aside for the building of the temple. Once he found out that his son Solomon would be the one to build it, he started gathering money, and he collected money, he stored up money, and depending on what uh, dollar amount you use for what gold and silver is worth nowadays, it, 
it is up in the trillions of dollars. They stored up trillions of dollars. Now, my thought about that was that, okay, well, he saved all this money so that they'd have the money to build the temple and, and make all the, the instruments of gold and do all the things that they had. The Bible doesn't say that. In fact, the Bible says that after they dedicated the temple in Solomon's day, then to- Solomon took all the stuff that David and his captains, David's captains, had saved and stored up and put that in the treasury. They didn't even use those trillions of dollars to build the temple. That was just the storehouse, the treasury for the temple. Now, folks, this is real near and dear to my heart because I've seen times past, I've seen in history where there have been opportunities for the church to go through open windows. At the end of World War II, there was an open window with Japan. The church wasn't ready financially or didn't have the people ready. MacArthur said, give me 100,000 missionaries, we'll turn Japan into a Christian nation. Church wasn't ready. When the Iron Curtain came down in the 80s, the church wasn't ready. We didn't have the resources. We didn't have the people to be able to go through those windows. If we are from now till Jesus comes back, and I don't believe that's a long period of time, if we have a window of whatever period of time that is to reach the world, when the opportunity comes, what are we going to do then? The idea of a church storing up resources to be able to get the gospel out, that there may be meat in my house, verse 10 says. What is God talking about meat in my house? He can't be talking about feed the priests. Seriously? They would have still been living off of David's money. No, he's not talking about feed the priests. He's talking about to get the gospel out, to get the meat of the word, the truth of the word out to the, to the world. The idea that a church would store money that would provide for a pool of resources to be ready when the windows are opened. To be ready to go into the Muslim nations. The Bible says Jesus is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. That means we've got to have a Muslim revival. That means we've got to have a bamboo curtain coming down to get the gospel into China. See, we think about us and our little group. God doesn't. God thinks about the world. What are we going to do? Are we going to be ready? It seems that God wants the church to have the means to be able to do what needs to be done. Folks, I'm determined. We're going to be ready. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. The Bible says Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses on the cross. He was wounded, Isaiah 53, 5 says he was wounded for your transgressions, that's sins. He was bruised for your iniquities, that's sins. The chastisement of your peace was upon him, that's provision. That's the penalty or the, uh, uh, the overcoming of the curse of poverty. And by his stripes, you were healed. That's the overcoming of sickness. The Bible says in the same verse, the same verse that Jesus paid the price for your sins, he paid the price for your sickness. Now, if somebody was coming to get saved, we wouldn't expect them to pray all night to see if God would do it, would we? Why is it different with healing? Jesus paid the same price at the same time. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. 
Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Please note this. I can't finish this. I don't have time to finish this, so I'll stop here. Please notice this. God wants to tithe, wants you to tithe. The result of the tithe is that there will be the storehouse will be full so that there can, the gospel can go forward. But the reason he tells them to tithe is so that he can bless them. He does not say, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so I'll have all the money in the world. No, he says, bring the tithes into the storehouse so that I can open the windows of heaven to you. There's not one part of this that God's out for himself. Not one. Not one. Oh, but Pastor Mike, I just can't afford to tithe. Okay, I can show you some examples in the Bible about that. You remember the story of Jacob? Isaac was Abraham's son. Jacob and Esau were Isaac's sons. Isaac was blessed because of the blessing of Abraham that was upon him. He sowed in the, in the year of famine and received a hundredfold. Everybody recognized that there was something special about him. They saw the blessing of Abraham on his life. Jacob and Esau were the twins. Remember, they were always at odds. Jacob was the mama's boy. He stayed at home and did the cooking class. Esau was out in the field. He was the hunter type and all this kind of stuff. Esau was the firstborn. Jacob wanted that birthright. The birthright was that, Ab- that Esau would get twice as much as Jacob would. He wanted that double portion. So he talked him out of it. He tricked him. He got him where he was hungry. He fixed stew, you know. And Esau comes in from the field and boy, he's hungry. Esau would give up anything because he's so hungry. He's going to die. You know how teenagers are. Oh, if I don't eat, I'm going to die. <laughs> that must be where Esau was. So he sells his birthright to Jacob. I have no, no possible thought that, that Esau expected that that would hold up. Sure, I'll give you anything. When it comes time for the double portion, I'll whip my little brother if necessary and make him shut his mouth about what I did. Who knows? But Jacob is after it. Man, he's after it. He wants that twice as much. Now, the reason Jacob wants twice as much is because he is so focused on himself. He's a deceiver. He winds up deceiving his father. His mother's in on it. You know, she's his cooking buddy. Folks, God doesn't always use the real strapping guy. So Jacob, with his mother's help, puts on animal skins. His, his dad's eyes are dim now. He can't see, and so he has to kind of feel to see who everybody is. So he puts on this stuff, and, and Esau, or, uh, uh, Jacob goes in before Isaac, and Isaac said, well, you feel like Esau, but you smell and sound like Isaac, or sound like Jacob. Something about this isn't right. Folks, that's what happens when you go by what you see. Or go by your feelings. You get deceived. He winds up pronouncing the blessing, the firstborn blessing upon Jacob. Well, when Esau comes in and finds out that what's been done, he's ready to kill the guy. And would have. And even his parents say, Jacob, you're going to have to run. You're going to have to run for it. You can't stay here. Esau will kill you for sure. So you're going to have to make a run for it. Before he goes, Isaac says to him, this is Genesis chapter 28, I believe it is. Isaac says to him, the blessing of Abraham be upon you. The blessing of Abraham be upon you. The very same blessing that uh, you're going to have to look at this. Genesis chapter 28. I'm coming back to Malachi chapter 3. We're not finished with that yet. Okay, Genesis chapter 28. Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him saying, don't take a wife of the children of uh, daughters of Canaan. 
go to this certain place in Laban's house. Yeah, that was great advice. Verse 3, And God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people. Verse 4, And give thee. Here's, here's Isaac's prayer benediction over him, the blessing that he gives him. And give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger which God gave to Abraham. I want you to understand, folks, the blessing of Abraham is still going. The blessing of Abraham is to all those that are his seed. If you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This very same blessing of Abraham is yours if you'll take hold of it. So Jacob takes off. He comes to a certain place. Um, where he has the, he has the, um, uh, the dream. He names the place Bethel, verse 19, Genesis chapter 8, 28, verse 19, and he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be the, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. How do you know about that? Where do you come up with that? You think Isaac, his father, didn't tell him what Abraham did? Now, you fast forward to Genesis chapter 32, some 15, almost 20 years later, he comes back to this same place. He's about to go over and he's afraid. He's about to go back and meet his brother. And he says to him, I hear pages turning, so I've got to read there too. He says what his condition was earlier. Genesis chapter 32, verse, starting verse 9. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which thou saidest unto me, return unto thy country and unto thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of thy mercies. And of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan and now I'm become two bands. In other words, he's saying all I had in Genesis chapter 28 was a stick. Don't tell me you can't afford to tithe. Jacob became a tither when he owned a stick. Because tithing is an attitude of the heart. Tithing is a decision you make on the inside. It has nothing to do with what you have in your hand. Jacob didn't own anything. He earned the birthright. He got his father to give him the birthright, but he can't take a bit of it with him. Now he's got to run from his life to escape his brother. Can't take a thing. All he's got is his staff. What good's money going to be in the desert? There's no place to spend it. Everything that he went for, he had to give up and find it on his own. And folks, that's the way with every generation. Every generation has to find the blessing of God for themselves. Now Jacob, some 20 years later, comes back. And says, I started with a stick and now I've got twice as much as any other person that I know. Back to Malachi chapter 3. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open into you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I've said this so many times, but I have to repeat it. This is the only time that God ever says he'll do something about the devil for you. Only place in the whole Bible. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And it has to do with your money. Your money must be important to God. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast your fruit before the time of the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed. For you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Now is that all there is to it? No. Verse 13. Your words have been stout against me. 
saith the Lord. In other words, you robbed me by not paying tithes and offerings. They denied that, but he said, here's the fix. Now he says, your words have been against me too. And they said, who? Me? No, we haven't said anything. So I want you to understand, the curse was not just because they didn't tithe. The curse was because they didn't tithe and they were speaking against God. And that tells you what the attitude of the heart is that makes tithing work. It can't be just throwing money in the pot. Folks, you need to understand something. If it was an automatic thing, banks would give churches money. If you gave 10% of whatever you have and it's multiplied some people would say a hundredfold. If it's multiplied a hundredfold, you think the banks wouldn't be on to that scheme? The banks would be giving churches money every week. Why? So that they'd get a hundred times whatever they gave. It's not a formula that works like that. Now, some people say, oh, that's just a con game. If it is, God started it. But the reason that it doesn't work just by the action on itself is because it takes the attitude of the heart. It takes the right attitude of the heart to make it work. He said, your words have been stout against me. And they said, who? Well, we haven't said anything. What have we spoken so much against thee? Bless their darling hearts. What have they said? God answers in verse 14. You have said it is vain to serve God. What good is it to serve God? That's what a lot of people say about the tithes. What good is that? That's Old Testament. They'll come up with all kinds of reasons. Then they want to have the argument about, well, is it tithing on the gross or the net? Yeah, let's figure out how little we can give. Let me suggest that you use the same number that you take to the bank if you're trying to borrow money. Try to show the bank you make a lot so that you can pay it back, right? But God, oh no, God, we don't make anything. I mean, the government has to take their share. We only make this. Okay, suit yourself. You have said it is vain to serve God, and what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we walk mournfully before the Lord? And now we call the proud happy. In other words, they're saying, well, the people that don't have to follow the law of Moses, they do better than we do. It feels that way sometimes when you look at the world, doesn't it? And that's exactly what the devil will use to try to get you talking against God and his word. Don't fall for that. And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. Then they that feared the Lord. Here's the answer. Here's what they did. The result. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before them for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, notice how some people turned it around. Not everybody. But notice how some people accepted what God said and turned that thing around. They began to talk about it. They began to say, you know, this is the word of God. We were wrong about what we said. It does pay to serve God. It does pay. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. God is who he says that he is. He promised to open the windows of heaven to us. And God says that he saw it and that he called those people his. I don't know about you, but when it comes to finances, this is true for me in every area, but specifically in finances because that's what we're talking about. I want to be God's. I want God to be able to say about me, just like I want him to be able to say about you, have you seen my servants down there at Foothill Family Church? They shall be mine, verse 17 says, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day... 
when I make up my jewels, <laughs> the word jewels means special treasure, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. Uh, let me close with a little story, real quick story. It's been a number of years ago. I don't know really how long it's been, but my son had one of these uh, Xbox Playstations. I don't know. He said everything. But anyway, there was uh, some video game that he was wanting. And uh, he got some money. I don't know if it was for birthday or something special, whatever it was. He got some extra money. And it was just the amount of money that he, that he needed to buy this video game. And so he was, he was talking about, oh, I'm going to go get this. It was, uh, I even remember the name of the video game. He said, I'm going to go get this. Oh, it just came out. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, dad, I'm so, I'm so glad. I'm so looking forward to it. And I said, well, son, what about your tithe? You going to pay tithes on that? He said, no, well, dad, I don't have to pay tithes on that. It was given to me. I thought, you sound like a lot of adults, I know. I said, son, you know what the tithe is. The tithe is 10% of whatever comes into your hand. He said, dad, but if I do that, I won't have enough. I said, well, you're going to have to decide, son. You're going to have to decide for yourself. I, I wasn't real strong about it. I just told him, look, you know what the Bible says, you know. So we came to church, and, and uh, uh, after church, we got in the car, and we were about to go home. And I said, uh, Hey, what'd you decide to do? He said, well, he said, I really wasn't sure. You know, I really want that game. Been wanting it for, for even before it came out. So, but I decided I needed to pay my tithes. So I started to pay my tithes and he said, then they took a special offering in children's church. So they were taking an offering for some special, you know, missionary thing, whatever it was. He said, they got to talking about how those kids don't have anything. He said, they even mentioned Xboxes. He said, kids over there don't have Xboxes. They don't even have a ball to play with. He said, I got to feeling so bad, I just gave them, uh, you know, an extra offering. I said, how much do you give? We wound up giving not only his tithe, but half of what the, the amount was that he'd been given. I'm sitting there in the car, and I just started crying. I just started crying. And you know, you know exactly the end of that story. I drove him straight to the store and bought him that video game. <laughs> I said, buckle up, son. We got to that store as fast as we could. I bought him that thing. Now, here's the, here, there is a spiritual component to this. I got, bought him that thing. He was so excited. He, it was the last thought in the world. It was the last, furthest thing from his mind. He's standing there in the store, and I handed him that thing, and he's going, oh, gee, thanks, Dad. Gee, thanks, Dad. And as soon as I put it in his hand, I still had half of it and put it in his hand, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, why would you think I wouldn't do the same with the tithe? Now I'm crying in the store. <laughs> Folks, the tithe is about God blessing you, not about Him getting something from you. Amen? Blessing of Abraham's yours. When God first appeared to Abraham, He made several promises to him. But to get his attention and to help him understand how involved he would be in his life, he first promised to make him rich. The blessing of the Lord, the same blessing that belonged to Abraham, belongs to you and me. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Holy Spirit said through Paul, Christ is the head, you're the body. Where are the feet? Are the feet in the head? No, the feet are in the body. That means if you put all things under his feet and you're the body of Christ and he's the head over all things to the church, which is his body, that means all things are under your feet. He's there to administrate. We're here in the field. 
He's at the home office. We're in the field. That's the only difference. We've been given his authority to use in the field. We've been given his place in the field. We have the same place with God, holy and without blame, as Jesus does himself. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.